Who's number one? And you probably know the answer. So that's what you meant. You're raising your hand like Clay said, I know the answer. Because we're in church, we know what we're supposed to say. The answer is, well, of course it's Jesus or or maybe it's God. I'm not sure which one we're supposed to say. But 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 we show up there and, and in church, that's the answer. Well, can we be honest for just a second? Can we... Uh, can we be a little bit transparent and truthful? Uh, did did you at least entertain for a second? Was it like a, a at least a a little blip or a little bit of a, a flash of of thought there? Was it just there for a second? But did you think when I said who's number one? Did you think okay maybe I'm number one? Uh, now now probably a, a great illustration of that this morning was our uh, uh, our baby dedication and what man what a beautiful. What a beautiful sight to see all these families up here with the the, the little ones. That is such a, a blessing. But what better example uh, than than that to illustrate this point? Because here's here's the point: if we could ask those those beautiful babies, and and maybe I I need to go ahead and point this out. Some of you'll know what I'm referring to when I say this. They were all beautiful. They were all beautiful, beautiful babies. So, uh, but as, as they were up here, if, if we could ask those babies who's number one and they could answer, I'm pretty sure they all would say, I'm number one. Isn't that true? Don't, don't babies live as if they are the only, they are number one? When, when they're hungry and they want to eat, they want to eat not in 15 minutes, not when it's more, more, more convenient. They want to eat right now when they mess themselves and it's uncomfortable. Uh, and they want their diaper changed. They, they want their diaper changed now. They, I, I've never heard of a baby that, that said, okay, mom, finish doing what you're doing. Finish the uh, dishes and folding the laundry. And when it's convenient, when you get a spare moment, would you change my diaper? No baby does that. A baby lets you know immediately that I want my diaper changed. When it's time to go to sleep, when they're ready to go to sleep, man, they want to go to sleep. Give me my binky. Give me my bottle. Give me my blanket, whatever it is. And they want to go and, and the converse of that, if you're ready for them to go to sleep and they don't want to, they're going to let you know, no, I, I'm going to miss something. I'm not going to go to sleep. So, so children certainly illustrate for us this concept. And here's the deal is I'm not sure that we, that we ever outgrow it. If, if we're just transparent, if we're honest with ourselves, I don't know that we ever outgrow this idea of thinking of ourselves as number one. So this morning, we asked the question, asked the question, uh, uh, looking out for number one. And, and the question will be answered actually in the next two weeks. We're, we're, we're going to be on a kind of a three week journey to get to that answer to, to what uh, we find out is the, the real answer to who, uh, how we look out for number one. If you have your Bible, so turn with me to, to Philippians chapter two. We've been studying the book of Philippians and we'll be for a little bit, uh, here over the next few weeks. Philippians chapter two and, and today and next week, we're going to look at chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. Uh, today, uh, lucky you, we're only going to look at one verse. Uh, but it's amazing how long you can talk on one verse. Huh? You'll find that out. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to go ahead and read verses 1 to 4. And it's going to, it's going to give us a little bit of an idea of where we are, where we are heading. And Paul talks about this. Uh, Philippians 2, 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vacancy, but in humility consider others 
better than yourself. You're starting to get an idea maybe where we're supposed to go here. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. We've been looking over the last two weeks, uh, and, and Paul's kind of been pushing us this direction. We, we've been heading this way. A couple weeks ago, we looked in chapter 1, verse 21, where Paul says, for me to live as Christ to die is gain. We asked that question, well, what does that mean? It's a cool verse. It's neat. We underline it. Well, what does that mean? Well, well, we're to live for Christ, and he's supposed to be the foremost in our life. Last week, we looked at chapter 1, verse 27. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. And we asked you, well, what does that mean? Well, it really is talking about citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we should live in such a way and realize that we live in a way uh, as if we're citizens of heaven. So Paul's been leading us on a journey to the place where we're ultimately going to define over the next two weeks we're going to define who number one is. And we'll see the answer uh, as he lays it out really very simply and very clearly. And let me just kind of throw this out there. It may not be what you think. Today we're going to look just at one thought. We're going to look at, at the first point of this, uh, this two-week sermon. Uh, what is the motivation that will drive us to where we want to be? Next week we'll look at the practical application of that. And then, then in, in, in a couple of weeks we'll see what is maybe the most important verse in the book of Philippians, and maybe one of the most important verses in all of, of scriptures as we see our ultimate goal. But, but standing in the way of reaching that goal, standing in the way of us understanding who number one is and being called to the right thing, standing directly in the way of that like an Antifa mob blocking traffic is us. Is us. Um, we're going to look at three things over the next two weeks, uh, three movements, three ideas, three thoughts, but we'll look at the first one today, and it's simply entitled The Motivation. Paul lists here in verse 1, he lists four things that if we know Jesus and we're trying to live or serve him, he lists four things that will motivate us to change. Now, let me let me illustrate this. I rarely... I rarely look in a mirror. Some of you are like, well, that's obvious, but I rarely look in a mirror. And, and I, I rarely look in a mirror for two reasons. Number one, I have no reason to. I mean, I, I, we have in our, in our bathroom a, uh, a medicine chest or vanity, whatever you call it, that's three mirrors. And, and the two outside ones you can open up so that you can stand in such a way that you can see yourself from behind. That's pretty cool. I did that one day. And I'm like, no, I'm just as bald from behind as I am in the front. So, so I've not done it since. Uh, now, my wife's a little different. And some of you are, most of you ladies probably are. Some of you guys are. I had a son that, this way. M- my wife cares about what she looks like. See, that's the other thing. I don't care what I look like. Uh, really, the only reason I look in a mirror is to make sure I don't have any boogers. I'm okay right now because I forgot to look. That's the really only reason I look in a mirror because there's nothing to see there. And, but my wife wants to make sure the hair in the back is Flipped up or flipped under or curled just perfectly. Now I tell, she gets up and I tell her, you're beautiful, honey. And she, she has the most beautiful hair sometimes in the morning. I say sometimes, cause sometimes, whew, uh, mine looks the same every Sunday, uh, or every day that I get up. But, but today Paul, in, in verse one, Paul is basically saying, hey, take a look in the mirror. Step back and let's look in the mirror and, and let's see some things. Uh, and, and he does that by asking four rhetorical questions. And kind of the cool thing is they're, they're really not questions, they're statements. He dresses them like a question, but they're really statements of faith. Uh, let me read verse 1 for you again. If you have any encouragement, and really he's saying because you have. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, 
comfort from his, uh, his love, fellowship with the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion. Uh, let's look at those four things. First, he says, is there any encouragement from being united with Christ? What Paul is saying here is there is a push. There is a push. Paul's saying that our relationship with Christ should encourage us, uh, uh, should encourage us to do something. There, there should be a push. And, and the truth is encouragement kind of is two things. There's two ways that we can see encouragement. Encouragement can be kind of passive. For instance, if you, uh, if you, if you wrapped your arms around someone, someone that's struggling or hurting, you just wrap your arms around them and put their head on your shoulder and say, hey, it's going to be okay. That, that's kind of, that's encouragement, but it's somewhat, somewhat passive. Uh, we see an example of this in the first chapter of Philippians, the first few verses, when Paul basically says to the church of Philippi, hey, I thank God every time I think of you and I pray for you with joy. That is Paul wrapping his arms around the church kind of passively and, and, and encouraging them. But, Encouragement can also be somewhat active. And, and actually, the word here for encouragement is better translated exhort or exhortation. And I guess we kind of know what that means, but that's a little bit of a, little bit of a Bible word that maybe we lose a little bit. So let me illustrate what, what exhortation is. Several years ago, I went to a soccer game. Uh, and, and I don't normally do that. I, I didn't grow up playing soccer. My, I, my boys didn't play soccer. I, I don't know anything about soccer. Except you, if you get hurt and fall down, you act like your legs broke till the coach comes out and then you're fine. But, uh, I went to a soccer game to see a bunch of these little girls from the church at Rushville play soccer. And we showed up there and they were the cutest little things. And, and, uh, this one girl in particular, Cameron, she was just, she was just a doll. She had on her little soccer shorts and little soccer jersey and socks that went up to about halfway up her leg, uh, up her thigh and, and little, I could see the shin guards underneath the, she, she was never going to get close enough to anyone to actually have them kick them in her, in her shin, but she had them on there and, and, uh, and, and, and so she just had a little ponytail and she just headband. She looked so cute. Here, here, there's a problem though. Uh, Cameron didn't have an ounce of of competitiveness in her bone. She could care less. And to match her lack of competitiveness was her lack of athleticism. She was not at all athletic. In fact, I think that morning she got up, her mom threw that stuff on her bed, put this on, I get in the car, and she's like, where are we going? And they show up at a soccer field, and she says, go stand over there by, by Ed, the coach. And so I think that's really what happened. About halfway through through the first quarter, half, whatever they do, the, her coach, Ed Krause, uh, uh, some of you probably know Ed, Teaches in, uh, in Saint, or in Atchison. Ed, Ed Krause said, uh, Cameron, go in. And so, so Cameron ran out to the field and, and like I said, she was not athletic. Um, and she ran like a little baby goat or a little baby deer. Her legs were just kind of flopping. And as she ran about halfway out, she fell down. Now it couldn't have hurt because she was only about that tall. So she didn't fall very far. And, uh, and she went running very fast. Remember, she's not athletic. And, uh, but she fell down and she looked back and I think she looked back like, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to cry? I don't hurt, but I know I fell down. I'm supposed to cry, right? And she looked back and, and Ed could have encouraged her two different ways. He could have done it passively. He could have ran out onto the field and wrapped his arms around little Cameron and picked her up and dusted off the couple blades of grass on her. Are you okay, Cameron? Did you skin your knee? Do you want to go back and get a juice box? And, and he could have done that, but instead, what he did, I'll never forget it. What he did was yell out, way to run fast, Cameron. <laughs> Now I was shocked. I'm like, really? <laughs> You're a coach? That's fast, but, but, and she looked back and like, she was as confused as I, like, what, 
What's happening to you? But she figured out like, okay, I guess I need to jump up and run fast again. So, so she did. She didn't cry. She ran. That was, that was exhortation. That was encouragement with just a little bit of a push. So Paul is saying here that because we know Christ, if there's any encouragement, if there's any exhortation, if there's a push, and he's not saying if, he's saying because there is a push to keep going, a push to change, a push to make a difference, a push to be a difference. Church, if you come here today, and and when you leave, if you only say, and actually I hope you do say this, but if you leave today and you only say, wow, that was a great service. Man, I'm glad I went to church today. If you, you walk out and you say, man, the people were friendly. So church, be sure to be friendly today. We have some guests and and, and fulfill my sermon here. Uh, boy, the church was friendly today. Wow, that music was great. That was awesome, which it is. And man, that sermon was short. <laughs> well, go ahead and pray for that if you want. Uh, uh, get on your knees and pray hard. But uh, but if we leave, and in fact, I hope you leave saying all those things. Maybe not the short sermon part, but I hope you leave saying that stuff. But if that's the only thing you say, then I've failed and I've missed the point and we've missed the point. See, we should also leave just a little bit uncomfortable. We should leave just a little unsettled in our spirit. We should, when we come in contact with Jesus, and I think that's what Paul's saying, if there's any exhortation, if there's any push to be something that we're not, to love in a way that we aren't, to, to, to be pushed to serve where we haven't been or pushed to be like Jesus in a way that we've been ignoring. So if we just... If we know Jesus, there should be that encouragement, that push. And and then he says, if there's any comfort from his love, what he's saying there is there is a promise. It's kind of a, a unique word that Paul uses there. It's a compound Greek word that means two things. It means beside or beside of. It means beside and and word or words. So beside words or speech or or talk. So So what he's saying there... Uh, if, if you know Jesus, then beside word, beside talk, beside speech, something like that. But but if you flip it around, it makes a little more sense. It reads a little bit easier. Uh, if you read it word beside or speech beside or, catch this, or talk beside. Paul is saying there's motivation because of Christ's love. Because Christ's love talks beside us. Christ's word speaks beside us. What he's done for us in really kind of two ways. There's, there's a universal application here, uh, a universal way that it speaks to us. Because the fact that Jesus went to the cross, that he died there for us and, and took our uh, our guilt there, and went, th- that constantly speaks beside us. That is God constantly walking beside us, reminding us what, what he did through his son Jesus. Jesus reminding us what he did when he went to the cross. When we didn't earn it, we didn't, we're never good enough, but but he is good enough. And, and so it's a universal way, and it's also very a very personal way that Christ's love walks beside us in a day-to-day way, speaking beside us, speaking his love and his truth into us and beside us. Uh, some of you will know the name, some of you will know the story, uh, but Derek Redmond was a world-class athlete from Britain. In the 1992 Barcelona Olympics, he was competing in the 400-dash uh Finals. In, in fact, he had the he had the best time from all the preliminaries, which meant he was in, I believe, lane three, the the optimal lane. You can see the ones behind you, the ones in front of you, and and that's where he was assigned. In fact, 
he was expected to win. He was favored to win the race. And, and as they got ready to run, the announcers were there and the gun went off and they took off and immediately in the first 50 yards, uh, he was immediately in the lead and it looked like his lifelong dream, dream was going to be fulfilled. He was going to get a gold medal in the Olympics, but about 150 to 200 uh, meters into the race, he felt a sharp pain in, in the back of his leg and he crumbled to the track. The other runners, Kept on running and finished the race, but Redmond was, was there in a heap on the track. Some of the attendants come running up to him, some of the officials come running up, but he waved them away and he jumped up on his feet and began to limp his way to the finish line. He was about halfway there when a, when a man ran down from the stands and jumped over the barrier, pushed away the security guards, ran out on the track and put his arms around Derek. When he did, he said, Derek, son, you don't have to do this. And Derek Redman said, Dad, I have to finish the race. I have to finish. And so his dad said, okay, okay, you'll start the video. Okay, we'll do it together. Watch this, because this perfectly illustrates what he's talking about, any comfort from his love, any talk beside Of, of Jim Redman, him walking beside his son Derek, is exactly what Paul is conveying here. You can go ahead and stop the video. Exactly what Paul is conveying here in verse 2 when he says, if there's any comfort from his love, any, any talk beside. And, and then he says, if there's uh, any fellowship, or again, he, he's making a statement, because there's fellowship uh, in the Spirit. And, and, and what he's saying there is, there is a partnership. Uh, I think I have the verses in your in your Bibles. I'm not going to take time to read all of them. But John chapter 14, Jesus talks about this spirit. He says, but the counselor of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Please, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. And, and then over in Galatians chapter 
5, and I'll ask you to read the Romans passages yourself, but Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23 talks about that spirit again. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no, no law. Fellowship. If there's any fellowship with the spirit and, and what it really means there is communion. If there's any communion with the spirit and, and maybe even a better way to understand this, is there any connection with the spirit or because there's connection with the spirit, there's motivation to be what we're going to see in the next couple of weeks because there's connection. I, I, I I've uh, talked about over the last uh, few weeks or last couple months, our son and daughter-in-law going over to South Korea and Joel and Heidi, when they went over the first time to meet uh, Thomas Ajun, uh, they, they had an evening that they went out to the streets of, of Seoul, South Korea, just to, to, to do some sightseeing and some shopping and eat some of the food on the, the, from the street vendors. And, and as they headed down the street that day, Joel purposely on, on purpose wore a KU shirt because he thought if there's any other Americans, particularly that are from around the Midwest, they'll, they'll know, hey, hey, that guy's somewhere around Kansas City. So he wore his shirt purposely as he walked down the, the streets of, uh, of South, uh, of Seoul, South Korea. And I'm sure there were some South Koreans that are like, chicken hawk, chicken hawk, right? Is that what they would have said in front of you? But, uh, uh, but, but they, as he walked, he looked across the street on the other side of the sidewalk, sidewalk, walking the other direction was, was a guy and Joel, Joel noticed his red shirt and his red shirt was a chief's shirt. And Heidi wouldn't let him, but Joel wanted to holler out, hey, go chiefs. But, but Heidi went, but later that evening, they, they met each other walking down that same sidewalk, this time facing each other on the same side. And, and that guy, when he saw Joel's, his eyes lit up because he recognized the Jayhawk and Joel's eyes lit up again because he recognized the guy with the, the chief shirt. And, and so they stopped and began to talk to one another. The guy was from Aletha. He and his wife were there to adopt a, a little child from South Korea as well. And, and immediately there was connection between them. Hundreds of people passed them by on the street, having no idea why these two guys were talking. Other than the fact they obviously both looked American. But there was a connection. When they saw the Jayhawk, when they saw the Chiefs, they knew they were from the same area. They, they knew the same teams and there was immediately a connection. See, Paul says here, if there is, if there is, or because there is a connection with the Spirit, it will motivate us. Last Wednesday night in our Acts 242 group, we were talking about peace. We were in, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, which tell, t- t- talks about peace, a peace that passes all understanding. Uh, and and, and Miss Peg Euler uh, began to tell a story, and I, I got permission to share this with her, with us today. And she was talking about what it was like, and, and she said they, they received, her and J.D. received a phone call once, and, and, and life was going well, and when they, they hung up the phone, suddenly their, their, their life was in the middle of a storm. They'd got word that there had been a, an untimely death, and 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 when things were were right, it was great. But all of a sudden, the storm clouds just appeared over them when they had to deal with this. And Peg made this comment as we were talking about peace. She said, "But you know, when I hung up the phone, and the storm clouds were definitely there. The first thing that God put in my mind was the words of a of a song, the words of a praise song. And, and in my spirit, I began to sing those words and that song. And and I couldn't explain it. The clouds were still there. The pain was still there." But there was peace. Well, well, we know what it is. It's a connection. So Paul says, because there's a connection with the Spirit that should motivate us to be what we're called to be. And, and so we're like, well, there, there's a push, there's a promise, there's a, 
there's a partnership. There's a partnership. And then finally, he says, if there's any tenderness or compassion, there is a passion. Uh, if you have the King James Bible, I'm not going to have, uh, AO, you don't have to look it up and read this time. I'll, I'll say it. In the King James, it says, for those two phrases, tenderness and compassion, the King James Version says, uh, if there's bowels of mercy, bowels of mercy, <laughs> uh, how, uh, what, what, what's going on there in, in the, in Jesus' day, the, they thought, or they felt that the center of your emotion, and they're kind of true, the center of your emotion was in your bowels. So if, if we say today, I love you with all my heart, they would say, as weird as it sounds, they would say, I love you with all my bowels. That's kind of weird, but that, they would have understood that, so that's why King James translates that way. In fact, someone, if there's someone here that's, that's at some point in the near future is gonna, going to propose to their girlfriend, I challenge you to drop to one knee and say, because, man, man, man we've been together so long and I love you with all my bowels. Uh, let me know how that goes. Because if she says yes, then she's a keeper, uh, for sure. Uh, but but that's what it, what it meant there. It was really from the, the, the inside of us, the center of us, what what motivates us, our our passion. So Paul wraps up this section by saying, because we know Christ, there is a passion that motivates us. So we'll see in the next couple of weeks some specifics of what Paul's calling us to do. And we'll sum it up in two weeks where he really, really defines for us what we're supposed to be thinking and what we're supposed to do. But, but let me sum it up here today by simply saying this. There should be a motivation to be different, to be changed, to redefine who number one is. Robin Gunn is a best-selling Christian author and speaker. She tells this story. She had just got home from a speaking engagement and was was wore out. It, it had been a tough couple weeks. And, and as soon as she got home, uh, the demands of life started to hit her and, and, and expectations. Her kids needed things and they had events to go to and she had to run them from here to there. And then she got a phone call from a friend that, and the, the friend was kind of telling her what was going on in her life, and 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 she began to think as she hung up the phone. She began to think if if there if one more thing happens, if one more thing happens, I'm I'm going to explode, I'm going to explode. About a minute later, the phone rang again, and she just like oh, she looks at the caller ID, and it's Jana, her next door neighbor, and she thought to herself, man, I have tried with Jana. Uh, Jana was a single mom, about 35 years old, and. Jana didn't know the Lord, but not because Robin hadn't tried. Robin had given her all of her books, and Robin had invited her to church. And and, and when Jana went through a divorce uh, a couple of years earlier, Jana had given her some books on 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 how to deal with that and how to parent as a single mom. And but Jana hadn't come to church, and she hadn't read any of Robin's books, and she didn't read any of the books that she handed her uh, when she was going through that crisis. And so she looked at the phone, and she almost ignored the call, but she thought I better answer. And she clicked answer and. Jana said, Robin, can, can you come over for just a minute? Can you come over for just a minute? Robin wanted to say no, but she heard herself saying, I'll be there in just a second. So she walked out the door and said she got about four steps out into the cold night air, snow kind of gently falling, and, and became even more frustrated because she walked out without her coat. Man, what an inconvenience. But she stomped her way over to the house, and when she opened the door, Jana was standing there on crutches. And then, it, and then she remembered, oh yeah, she, she had surgery. She had a second hip replaced. So at 35, she had both of her hips replaced because of, because of arthritis. And, 
And, and then she remembered, yeah, her mom was coming to stay, but her mom had left. And then she realized it was Thursday, and Thursday was the day her kids stayed with with their dad. And Jana had no one. She was there by herself. So as she walked in, Jana said, I hate to bother you, but can can and as she did, she looked down and said, Can you help me take my shoes off? I'm getting ready for the bed and I can't get my shoes off. And immediately Robin said, I was overcome with with humility. God challenged my spirit. She said, Here I was, ministry woman. I wrote books and I spoke to groups, large groups of women. I, I had a radio program and talking about how to be a how to be a believer and here I was really unworthy untied these shoes but she, she knelt down and she untied her shoes she helped her slip out of the sweatpants and put some pajamas on and tucked her into bed and asked her if she could get her a drink of water which she did and then she said I, I did it without even thinking I leaned over and I kissed her on the forehead and I said Jana I love you Jana I love you and Jana said I know you do I love you too I called you because I knew you would come. Who's who's number one? Who's number one? God, God's word's going to lead us there. We're going to see some, some some cool stuff in the next couple of weeks on how that should apply to us. But who's number one? If there's any motivation, because we know Christ and our lives. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you in the power of your spirit in our lives. Father, we thank you that it, it pushes us and there's a promise and there's a partnership. Father, we thank you uh, that we know uh, you and that you are in our life. And because of that, there's passion uh, because we know you. Lord, help us, help us redefine who number one is in our life as we reach out to